Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're listening today and uh, tuning in wherever you're at. We just would love it if you would, at some point this week, if you haven't already, please leave a review. Do it. We love listening to encouragement from you and how this podcast is helping you in your journey of faith with, uh, with God wherever you're at. Yeah, share it on socials, text it to a friend. Seriously, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. We would appreciate that. Yeah, and if you've already done that, maybe just text us and let us know maybe what a recent episode has meant to you. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so question of the week. This comes from one of our listeners. If you could trade away five years of your life, but never have to work again, would you do it? It's a, that's a very thought-provoking question. Oh my gosh, I know. I don't even know if I still have the answer to this. I, the I answer don't know. is no for me. Easy, actually. It's easy? Yeah. Hmm. Because I love what I do. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like work. Right. I was going to say something very similar, but also at the same time, one of the reasons why I wouldn't want to do it is just the ages of my kids and we're so involved and, you know, man, five years is a long time, you know, for them to, to grow and to process and become, you know, um, the people that they are you know, meant to be and missing out on a lot of that. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I'm like rattled, rattled right now thinking I, about it. Like I really am because I want to say, yeah, like five years and then never have to work or worry about anything again. And I could really invest my time into them and then maybe grandkids, but would we even have the relationship, you know, at that yeah. point to invest in? I don't know. It's a, it's a challenging question to make sure you're doing what you love and then making sure you don't sacrifice family time for your job. So thoughts. <laughs> well, hey, we're getting into a potentially controversial subject over the next couple of weeks, but we're not talking about this just because of controversy or because we love controversy. In fact, we've, we've titled this little mini series that we're going to do called Cow Tipping, addressing the sacred cows in the church that really should be knocked over. And again, the reason why we're doing this isn't to just upset religious people or to be controversial just to be controversial. But because in my opinion, these conversations matter and I believe growth is necessary and you only grow by thinking critically. Again, um, I, one of my teachers growing up used to say that the highest form of teaching is turning people into critical thinkers, but the lowest form of teaching is having people just repeat what you say. Right. And so the goal isn't just to create little mini me's of me and you. The, the goal is to really cause people to think why they believe what they believe. And honestly, yeah, it's not our job to tell you what to believe, but it is our job to help you think critically. And I was on a Marco Polo. It's a video app with some of my college roommates. And one of my roommates from college said something that I actually am going to quote because I, I went back, listened to it. He said it so brilliantly. We were having a controversial conversation on the app just between the five of us. And he said, the older I get, the more I realize there are few things I actually know and few things that I've put more than 10 minutes of research into. I've found that if I have an opinion about something that has been formed without doing research, it's probably because I heard it from someone I respect or from someone I think should know what they are talking about. Yep. And he was specifically talking about the controversial issue in Christianity we were talking about is he just had this belief because he was always told this. Because but he's, someone he respected told him, or a pastor who, you know, you would think, okay, they got the training, they mm -hmm. have the knowledge, they know what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, even the true, you, you see this politically from the left and the right. You see this in, in the vaccine conversation is, is people form these opinions about something from people they trust, but they yet haven't done their own research on it or 
whatnot have been educated on both sides. I, I, one of my favorite things to do politically is when there's two presidential candidates is to remove the names and remove the party and show you side by side what their political view is on specific topics and you get to pick. And it's crazy how I, I did that, I think, in 2016 with Hillary and, and Donald Trump, like how many things I thought I was against so-and-so and then realized that my beliefs are more in line with them. It, it was shocking, right? As soon as you peel off those uh, political blindies, blinders, blinders, blindies. What? Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. So honestly, what what we're talking about today in this- So addressing sacred cows, we're going to tip yeah. some of these over. And again, this podcast also um, is to help bring freedom. So every single one of these episodes will hopefully bring a little bit of freedom as well as, you know, like you said, just something that people have to process and critically think about. Yeah. And, and I think that's good. Today's topic is going to be one of those things. You, you might not have to agree on every aspect of today's topic, but the reason for why we're doing this topic is to get you thinking about specific areas in your life where you have been exclusive. Right. Dun, so dun, dun. hold on just real quick before we get to the actual like topic at hand. Because we're talking about cow tipping, I just have to know, is this something that you've done like literally before? Tried to go do? No. I actually okay. have never tried to do it. Little Tommy okay. Boy action? Yeah. Have you? You're well, the one that's from no, the I, farm. No, yeah, I've, I've, grew, I've grown up on a farm and we had uh, cows and everything in the pasture and behind our house. So, oh, I've tried several times, but I think this is one of those things like... I think it's a myth. Well, it's one of those things like snipe hunting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, <laughs> no. but apparently there's this like little... I'm a city boy. <laughs> <laughs> so you make, yeah, you just make fun of city boys and girls that come out to the country and all, oh, let's go snipe hunting and you tell them to do stupid stuff like go get a paper bag and you got to yell here, snipe, 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 and you got to be standing a certain way and I'm going to make noise. And basically it's just to make fun of you out there acting stupid. So I really think that's, that's what hilarious. cow tipping is as well. Um, but I'm not going to say I haven't tried it. I've tried a couple times, but I don't think cows sleep every time we try to get up on one, like they at moved least, away. At least standing up. Yeah. I don't think they, I think that's the myth is they don't sleep maybe, standing up. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But we tried. We were kids. We tried several times. <laughs> one of those things we were told as a kid and just believed it. Yeah. But um, we're actually going to tip over some sacred cows. Yeah. And today, podcast. And the title of today's little episode is all aren't included. And that's what we're going to tip over because- Actually, if you read the Gospels, all are included. And this idea of inclusion versus exclusion, we just did a sermon series as a church titled Included. We did four messages on that. You can find that on YouTube if you're interested. And really, these conversations, we had four different people preach. You know, Bishop Jamie talked about this idea that Jesus was crucified for who he included. And I even, while he was preaching, I recognized it in my own journey that the people that I didn't have room for at my table we're Pharisees, we're religious people, because I was one, and now I swung on the other side of the pendulum, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you start to form judgments over things that you've overcome, you know, how, yeah. and then you had, you know, you talked about all means all, which we're going to talk about in this message, we're going to, we got criticized for not using a lot of scriptures and some of the conversations we have on controversial topics, so today we're going to give you plenty, a so, lot. A, a lot, a lot, and then, you know, Derek, he preached on this idea of why do we have to tell Christians or teach Jesus followers to be inclusive. And he brought up, you know, implicit bias. And I was specifically challenged around his teaching on temporary inclusivity, how we're inclusive to people to their face, but behind their back, we're not, and how wrong that is. And then, yeah, speaking of that, I, I preached on this idea that Paul rebuked Peter for his prejudice, for his racism, and and, and trying to get the Gentiles to be like Jews when the gospel included everybody. Do you? And right. so kind of that's where we're going, you know, because 
one of my biggest pet peeves in church culture is this idea that, you know, many churches will say everyone is welcome on their webpage. You know, all are yeah, welcome. Welcome home. Find well, a home here. Yeah. But that really isn't the case, especially when you go click on what they believe. They exclude some people, you know, and if we aren't inclusive and we aren't curious, then honestly, what's the point of gathering on Sunday mornings or whenever you gather? Is our Sunday morning space just an echo chamber of confirmation bias that we can just preach at people and they'll say amens because we all believe the same thing and it's exclusive to specific people? Um, because if that's the case, then there's no point in meeting. And I'll just quit. And no. I, sa- I said that when I was preaching, but... Yeah, no, it's all good. Theology is one of those things that oftentimes is divisive. I mean, think about it. There's, what, 30, 40, 50,000 different denominations, and every denomination believes so that divisive. they're correct about what they believe. Politics, sexuality, all of it. Yeah. And I think that it's very important yeah. as Christians that we become inclusive because yeah. that is what is attractive. Yeah, and what hurts my heart more than anything is that, you know, even family that I have have... um excluded me and my family or have wanted to separate themselves from me because we differ on some theological issues with mm-hmm. which none of them are salvific issues, mm-hmm. none. And they are areas that Paul would say would be gray areas that are just disputable, which means you can be on either side of some disputable matters. And Paul understood that. And he wrote about that. And it's just sad, honestly. Yeah. It is sad. One of the verses that have has really been challenging me, I preached about it in our uh, Big Butt series at church, I think a year or two back. It was from Acts 10, 28. You know, Peter said to them, a large gathering at Cornelius's house, which was a Gentile house, which is oxymoron, if you don't understand the tension that Jews and Gentiles had. He said, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And I wonder what would happen if every Christian in the world adopted that verse as a life verse. God has shown me that I personally should not call anyone impure or unclean. How would I look at humanity? Right. Because honestly, Christians are some of the most exclusive people really around. And when you think about it, they have an us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. Like we are the ones that get it right. We're the ones that have the exact right beliefs. We're the ones that, you know, are separated you know, the called out ones, which is what the ecclesia means. Hmm. But it, it implies that we are, you know, um, excluding some and, but, and we're included. And, and really when you think about it, even like Paul, as he's writing, um, to the new Testament church, he talks a lot about predestination. And this is where John Calvin and some others got a hold of this message and made it seem like God chose some to be saved and ultimately spend eternity with him in heaven and some to be you know, condemned and damned to hell for all of eternity. When really the reality of predestination, all that really meant is that God wanted to include not just the Jews into the family of God, but everyone, Gentiles included. So it was predestined that Gentiles would be included in a message of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. That is the gospel. And so, so yeah, so all means all. So who is included? Let's yeah. go through this. Let's give the people what they want. Yeah, so this is just really a scriptural account um, just really kipping or kipping, tipping over um, the exclusion, delusion, and that sacred cow. So let's just look Did at. Did you just come up with that? That's pretty clever. I don't know. Let's look <laughs> at Paul's message um, just to non believing pagans. First up, Acts 17 28. Paul says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, for we are 
all his children. And he's talking to a group of pagans up on Mars Hill. And he says, look, we are his offspring. We're his children. That's you and me together in this. Second Corinthians 5, 14, Paul says this, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So who is the one who died for all? Jesus, right? Christ. Then who are all that died? Humanity. So mm. that's all. Mm. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, he's talking about what Adam did. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Like that's not some, it is the word all for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, which most people would say, no, wait, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why does it say many? Why doesn't it say all there? Well, that's okay because it goes on to say, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So if many will be made sinners and you think that is all have become, you know, sinful and were born in sin, which we've addressed that in other podcasts. So I'm not going to go there, but it then says the many, right, will be made new or be made alive in Christ. And so I just love what Paul does here. First Corinthians chapter 15, he says, for as in Adam, all die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. The same all that died in Adam were the same all made alive in Christ. Again, it's the same exact thing. What I just said, John seven, this is Jesus. Whoever believes in me, as a scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I love this because notice uh, where the li living water flows from. It doesn't enter him somehow, but it comes from within, meaning it's already there. Bam. That's a good one. Romans three twenty two. Um, there's just a mis mistranslation of faith in Christ. It actually should be faith of Christ. And I think you've addressed this recently. Mm-hmm. And the righteousness of God is through the faith of Jesus Christ to all and upon all those believing for there is no difference. There is no difference because all humanity are already included in the life of the last Adam, which is yeah. Jesus. We, I address this in a sermon. We will do this in a podcast addressing this. It's actually the phrase pistis Christo or something like that. Uh, it gets translated as faith in Christ, but it means the faithfulness of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, meaning salvation isn't necessarily through faith in Christ, but through the faithfulness of Christ. And that changes the meaning of the, the passage. And it's mistranslated in a lot of those verses. We have a whole right. bunch of verses where it's mistranslated. Right. Galatians 2.20 is the one I always go to. Yep. My first one, my first go to. But we'll talk about that on another podcast. But just a few more here real quick. Colossians 1.17 says, And himself is before all, and all things in him have always consisted. consisted. So scripture consistently tells us that nothing was ever and will ever separate us from Christ, right? And if Christ is omnipresent, then we will always be with him. John 1, 3 through 4, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Ephesians 4, 6, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Romans eleven thirty six. for in him and through him and to him are all things. I'm just going to keep going. First Corinthians eight, six, there is one God, the father from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Um, Colossians one we were alienated or enemies of God in our minds. 
Meaning just because some don't know or even reject this truth about Christ being in all does not mean that it's not true, right? First Corinthians 12, six, and there are diversities of working and it is the same God who is working the all in all. And I, I just want to say that is a frick ton of alls. <laughs> That's a lot of all. A lot of them. <laughs> Lastly, there are many verses that point to Christ's finished work as to including the whole world, not just believers who are lucky enough to hear and accept the good news, which makes the message of Jesus very scandalous. First mm-hmm. John 2, 2, and he, he is a mercy seat for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. Hebrews 2, 9, and him who was made some little less than messengers or the angels we see, Jesus, because of the suffering of the death, with glory and honor having been crowned, that by the grace of God for everyone he might he might taste the death. First Timothy four ten, this one's a wild one. I sent my mom this the other day and she was like, What? Right. For for this we both labor and are reproached, because we hope on the living God, who is Savior of all men, comma, especially of those who believe. Dun, dun, dun. Titus 2.11, for the saving grace of God was manifested to all men. 1 Timothy 2.6, who did give himself a ransom for all? The testimony in its own times. John 12.32, again, another mistranslation. It says, uh, Jesus was speaking, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all. Sometimes so Your translation will say, draw all, all men, men right. unto myself. It's actually the word judgment, all judgment unto myself. He drew well, the, the context ju- is judgment there. So yeah. when it says all, well, what would all be? And it's all, all the judgment. judgment. Guess what? Because it includes all men. And then First John 4, 14, and we, we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son, Savior of the world. And we could go on, but I hope you get the point. All were included in Jesus's life, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. Your permission wasn't asked for or needed. That doesn't mean that all will accept or even hear the true gospel message in this life, but the fact remains true nonetheless. So don't fall for the ever-popular exclusion delusion. You were included, and so was everyone else. It's the good news. It's the gospel. Again, because the gospel is not an invitation. It's a declaration of what's already taken place, what's already true of people. They just might not know it. And so that is why Paul calls us, and this is you who are listening to this podcast, you are a minister of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. God has already done the work. He reconciled the world unto himself when Jesus went to the cross. That was God and Jesus doing the work together. But now we are called ministers of reconciliation because now it's our job to wake people up to the fact of what God did and Jesus did on their behalf to make them righteous, clean, holy, loved, accepted, all of the stuff. All of the and, above. Yeah. And they just need to, um, I think they, they awaken to it. And, you know, I always got a lot of questions from people. Why do you always use the word awaken? And it's because it's just one of those things that when people don't yet know something, they're sometimes, of course, just going through life. I mean, I'll say it, they're just oblivious to, to maybe a truth about them, but we want them and I want them specifically when I say wake up, like it could also be the word like repent that Jesus uses, right? It means to look again, like finally realize, look at, you know, what God has truly done and awaken to that. Look at that. And, and I think that is what is part of the activating um, process of faith in our life to apply it to our life today. 
Yeah, and I so, like it. Yeah, Clement of Alexandria in 150 AD to 215 AD, uh, he was quoted as saying, all men are Christ's, some by knowing him, the rest not yet. He is the Savior, not of some, and the rest not. For how is he the Savior and Lord, if not the Savior and Lord of all? Brilliant quote. And then first, lastly, you know, Don Keithley, he brought up this idea from 1 Corinthians 1.30. He says, but it is due to Jesus that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He, he quotes this and say, well, that sure messed up my evangelical theology. I was taught it was my doing by confession, faith, belief, and sinless life that put me and kept me in Christ. But according to 1 Corinthians 1.30, it's his doing, which is pretty amazing. And people will argue about this reality. Mm -hmm. Th this is uh, a hot topic among Christians today, but I would encourage you not to argue against a Christian who just wants to use scripture to defend their bondage, or you will run yourself into the ground because they will always find another verse to use, sometimes in context, sometimes out of context, away from or apart from the finished work of Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah. and I think for, I mean, I won't speak for you, but I know for me, I've just chosen to align myself with the finished work of Jesus that it was his work. He accomplished it and finished it on my behalf and on everyone's behalf. They just don't know it yet. So that's why it's my job to tell them about how amazing the work really was that he finished. So you hear this conversation that we just had about all are included and then our job to include all. Now, people who are really paying attention to our verbiage, you're going to get asked a simple question. And we've already addressed it before. I think on the podcast, Do All People Go to Heaven? Maybe, yeah. You can go back and listen to that. But you, we get asked this question, so then you're universalists if you just believe all people are going to heaven. And honestly, I hate that conversation. I hate that question because I, I think you do a really good job explaining why we're not universalists. Well, I, I always want to immediately say, well, I'm a hopeful universalist, and I, I hope I that, that you are too. Well, it just it it just wa awakens their mind to think about it from a different perspective, and just how I view things and see things. But then I also hate some type of label being put on me, especially that with, uh, or that of a universalist. I know with the attitude of a universalist, it's more of, um, let me make sure I get these these words right. I don't know why there's not a phrase like this in English, or maybe there is, but it's like laissez-faire or que sera sera. It's like whatever happens, happen. Just let's just go through life and love life and not have to worry about anything ever. But we also have um, not just the message and the gospel of grace, but, but the message and gospel of the kingdom. And there is a lot of responsibility that I carry as a son and a daughter of the king that I have work to do, that mm -hmm. there are people that need to know how good, right, this king really is. And I think with the universalist mindset, it's someone pictures someone not worrying or caring or doing anything yeah. ever. But I just don't see it that way because I feel like there are some things that we get to partake of today because we believe and activate things in our life by faith. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important for us to continue to preach and to preach good news so that people do awaken, they do get reconciled so that they are no longer an enemy of God in their thinking and in their mind. And that is the process of setting people free. And I have a friend who um, I'll just say that he really, um, let's just say he doesn't like um, the organization side of church. And let me just say, I really don't either. But he relates bondage to people coming to a physical building. And I don't. I think sometimes people coming together and gathering, even Sunday mornings or whatever time frame that is, 
I think it's a beautiful thing because it shows diversity, but it also is an opportunity for people to be set free, not from some building they want to come to or an organization that they're a part of, but they get set free in their thinking about how God, um, maybe how they thought God was and not who he truly is. And so when they awaken to that and they get freedom in that, I think that is truly living the abundant life that Jesus called us to live. And that's why I just don't like that, uh, that conversation or being labeled a universalist or anything. Cause no, I, I won't claim that as my identity because I still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, to help advance the kingdom on the earth today. Yeah. I, I think the conver- that, I think that question is fair. So I don't, I don't want to invalidate people's concerns that they might have, but the goal of Christianity isn't to get to heaven. The goal of Christianity is to bring heaven to earth. Yeah. And there is a power in believing. Now, I, tr- I, I do believe that it's for all, just like we t- unpacked. But you don't reap the benefits of knowing who you are unless you believe it to be true. And then you don't reap the benefits of knowing. You said there's a lot of work to do. Well, the work that Jesus did is finished in, in terms of your identity, in terms of you're good enough, you're valued, you're worthy. Like You don't have to do anything to earn those things, but the doing comes from knowing those things are true about you. Right. And so the doing is our job in heaven. People are like, oh my gosh, you can't, you can't preach hyper grace or all that stuff, which we'll talk about next week. It, because then you'll do whatever you, you, people will do whatever they want. How do you know what I want? Because when you've been told how good you are, you don't want to go and do whatever you want. What, what I want changes. And now I want other people to know this freedom. I want to pull out everything that's good about you, remind you about who you are, remind you that you don't have to constantly be in this uh, struggle, this religious religious struggle of trying to earn something that's already been given to you. Like you are the righteousness perfection of Christ. And that's a permanent reality because it's not based on your choices or behavior. It's based on the choice and behavior of Jesus. And he solidified your perfection at the cross. And so, yeah, oh, I, I still sin. Yeah, but your sin doesn't define your perfection because God's love is unconditional. So there can't be conditions on it. Your behavior can't dictate God's love for you. And so the goal, when people want to talk about universalism, I think they miss the point. Like you said, that's, oh, whatever thing, whatever happens, happens. No, you have responsibility and you have power, but it's to empower people, not to overpower people. And we talk about that all the time. And so, yes, the message is inclusive. Are you? Yeah. And what I said, like in the sermon series, we just did included, included people, include people. And so I think this is a challenge to everyone that considers themselves a follower of Jesus are you going to be known by who you exclude or are you okay to be um, challenged by everyone you actually include? And so I think that is uh, a great way to end the episode. Yeah. And so you're loved and there is actually nothing you can do about it. 